Welcome to the BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast, coming to you from Vero Beach, Florida, and Marion, Massachusetts. Hosted by Ed Chenefee, this is the podcast that researches and investigates the club management and facility side of our business. A once seasonal club is now a year-round operation. Even in the cold tundra of Alberta, Canada, the year-round effort puts pressure on the staff, the department heads, and Ash Chatta, General Manager of the Glencoe Golf and Country Club. Hello, and welcome to the BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast. I'm Ed Shanafee, your host. And each time we take to the mic, it's indeed a pleasure to bring you the news and the views from the private members club and boutique hotel industries. Glencoe is the suburban sister club to the downtown Glencoe City Club. The idea of being open year-round, it started just before COVID. The club, though, boasts just golf and food and beverage. So being open in the heart of winter was quite different. Ash speaks with the experience of being a longtime club manager with over 15 years of senior management work, but for eight years, he was a department head, a food and beverage manager, and his work as a general manager is often seen through the lens of his department heads, a position where he learned to thrash out ideas before presenting them to upper management. He's brought in comfort food, burgers, chili, fish and chips for the membership throughout the winter, and with the ever-popular NFL, yep, even up there in Canada, up on the TV screens and the fires lit in the fireplace, he's keeping his members at the club. He's brought in hiking, ice skating, and other wintry events to keep the members engaged. That's all we really want as managers, says Chatta. It's to have members using the club in some capacity, even in the cold of winter at a golf-only country club. Ash holds weekly staff meetings, along with meetings one-on-one with his department heads. Visibility, he says, is just as important for senior management with the team as it is with the membership. However, the key thing is not to interfere, he says, with their specialty or their department or their business. As a GM, your job is to provide support. We talk about club governance and the shift in the use of nominating committees, and we talk about how the large search firms are affecting the industry in both positive and negative ways, in both search and club governance. So please have a listen to an industry leader who has served memberships in both the USA and Canada. Before I bring on Ash, I'd like to remind our listeners how you can get in touch with me. I'm on Instagram at Ed Shanafee Consultant, that's spelled S-A. H-A-N-A-P-H-Y. Tough name. Try living with it. And also on Twitter at Beyond Baselines. You can always email me on beyondthebaselines at gmail.com. You can visit us on our website at beyondthebaselines.com or look me up on LinkedIn. Either you're a member hoping to improve your club or you're a club manager with a desire to make the membership experience best in class. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. But now, without any further ado, Here's the leader in our industry and a GM that looks to engage his members year in, year out, and year round with new ideas, offerings, and great food for a wintry night. Here's Ash Chatta. Hello, folks. Welcome to the BeyondTheBaseLines.com podcast. I'm here today with Ash Chatta. I've known Ash, uh, I can't tell you how many years. It'll be embarrassing. Um, Ash, great to have you here on the podcast, and thanks for joining. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Uh, just for our listeners, Ash is the a, a club manager up there at Glencoe Golf and Country Club up in uh, Chile today, Chile, Alberta, Canada. But uh, we were just talking off the air. You haven't had the snow yet. Does does the season uh, does the season still kick in when the, when it starts to be ski season? Does it get slower for you? How, how does that work up there in in Canada? Yeah, it definitely gets slower. So our season is Easter to Thanksgiving, give or take two weeks either side. 
Uh, definitely slows down, but as everybody knows in this business, now we're trying to be a 12-month facility for our members, uh, plus catching up on a lot of admin side and planning for the next year, whether it's budgets or staffing and maintenance issues and so on and so forth. So th- this is a 12-month uh, program for sure. So so take us through that. I mean, obviously, uh, the 12 months is new. Is that new since you, you've been at Glencoe six years? Is that new since COVID? Like, Did COVID create the 12-month push? Uh, yeah, I think it started before COVID, but definitely accelerated uh, during COVID. Um, and again, we, I think industry-wide, uh, we're all trying to give as much value to our members. Um, and instead of a seasonal facility, a, a single sport, we are only golf. Uh, we do not have any, you know, let's say tennis or pool. We, we have a sister club, the Glencoe Downtown Club, uh, which is a recreation uh, multi-sport facility. So, um, they cater to that, but from a golf side, yes, we're trying to definitely be a 12 month facility, whether it's offering, you know, winter activities on our lakes and ponds. We have cross country skiing, we have skating, we have shinny hockey, we have golf simulators. We open F and B on the weekends now. Okay. So again, it's, it's in the early stages, but every year we see more and more uptake from the members yep. uh, and a commitment from the board and the committees. Um, this definitely takes a financial resource as well. So it's good to have that sort of a support from top down. Great. Now, let me ask you a question about um, the food and beverage on the weekend. That's got to be tough because how do you staff that? Just, you know, how do you keep staff for five days quiet or three days quiet, four days quiet, and then three days on the weekend? How does that work? I mean, yeah, extremely difficult. Um, So, I mean, it puts the load on your salary to year round supervisors and and managers for sure to start off with. Um, and then we're fortunate to have some hourly staff which comes in uh, if we have events. Okay. These are primarily local students um, who are looking for some extra cash. They know our place, they know our culture, they know the service standards. As long as we schedule them and we give them advance notice, it has worked so far, but it's extremely difficult, uh, particularly on the culinary side. Uh, it's really hard to get you know that cooking right. tea. And- and, and to place. order food, like you think about a food lasting a week, you know, so you Correct. order for the weekends and then by Sunday, you probably have to throw some of it out. So you have to order carefully, I would presume. hundred percent. And that starts with, you know, limited menu. Um, you're not looking for two page, right? You know, it's, it's a simple menu. And, and, and folks at this time of the year, when they're out there, you know, they're looking for very simple comfort food as well. So I think we've been able to manage, you know, whether it's a bowl of chili or some fish and chips and some burgers, like very simple. Right. Um, keep the bar open and and they want a good drink and just warm up for the coming inside. Do you have a fireplace up there? Oh yeah. Wood fireplace. (laughs) Uh, Wood fireplace TVs, you know, the NFL is on. So it just allows people to come in and get a hot chocolate, get a hot toddy and and use the club. I think ultimately that's all we want as managers is members using our club in some capacity. Great. Uh, You know, it's, it's awesome to keep it 12 months because you keep the momentum rolling. And, uh, and, and, and what happens is you start, uh, you start the spring already kind of in gear. You're already in second gear rather than starting in neutral. The the unintended positive consequence of, of doing this is, is, is first off, I'd like to start off with saying that the engagement from the team is continuous. Um, even from the golf professional team to the FNB team to the admin team, you know, everybody's there more often, like obviously not six days a week or five days a week. They're perhaps four days a week. But the engagement from the team standpoint is the dynamic definitely helps. Two, you are obviously the membership side is massive that we're giving them value, making sure that you don't blow the bank either. Yeah. How many members do you have up there? 
So we have about 1,100 uh, principal members and about 3,200 total members with all categories. 3,200 members, not not memberships, 3,200 people. 3,200 people. Okay. And and, and as, I, as you said earlier, you have a sister club. So they're members of both clubs. Is that That's correct. Uh, so the mothership is the Glencoe Club, the downtown mm-hmm. recreational facility. Right. And we are the wholly owned subsidiary, uh, Just Golf, here. Okay. So the downtown so, sister club has 12,000 members. Oh, my gosh. And the Glencoe Golf has about 3,000 members. And, and 90% of our principal's shareholders have uh, memberships at the rec facility. At Beyond the Baselines, we have over 25 years of experience with management of private members' clubs and boutique resorts. Whether it's finding the inefficiencies caused by the blurring of roles between management and board governance, managing a single department, or educating and mentoring a key employee, we have served the private members' club industry like no other consultancy since 2007. Partnering with club governing bodies and working alongside management, we bring a team of highly specialized and experienced associates for that personal touch and hands-on management style to achieve long-term goals with short-term results. At Beyond the Baselines, we understand the traditions and importance of membership, but history and connections to a bygone era shouldn't inhibit growth. In fact, we believe they can be a catalyst for change. So please visit our website at beyondthebaselines.com or give us a call at 508-538-1288. That's 508-538-1288. I love how it says Glencoe, uh, it's Glencoe Golf and Country Club, right? And then there's, I guess, St. George's Golf and Country Club. Is that a thing up there to call? Like, clubs down here are changing their names to things like that. Is that is that always been like that up there, or is it a new thing? Yeah, I think in in our case, um, when this um, club was was formed in 1984, the vision of the time was that we will have a a country club out west in the city, closer to Banff, the mountains. Okay. So that's how the name was given. Um, and over the years, the club has tried to add, you know, think about adding amenities such as tennis or pool and so on and so forth. So the name has been that way, the Glencoe Golf and Country Club. Yep. Um, when I think it comes a little bit from the U.S. too, where mostly it's the country club membership. And, you know, just call it country club or golf club. And so it, it's, it's a play on a name. <laughs> so let me ask you this your department heads obviously you're now a 12 month as we've been discussing your 12 month operation do you have weekly meetings in the high season once a month in the off season how, how do you manage your department heads and how many department heads do you have yeah so first question you know we have our weekly meeting so every wednesday at 9 a.m it's it's a manager meeting we all get together in the boardroom it's about an hour and a half every wednesday and it's really high-level reporting from each each department head on what's going on in the upcoming week or what has happened in the past week. Uh, and it's a great touch point. Okay. Um, so it's an organized touch point. Yep. Um, and, and plus, we have a written submission as well uh, from the department heads. Um, and we use those um, um, reports uh, and meeting minutes to communicate to our 300-plus employees um, so they have a little bit of a high level of what's being discussed at the management table. And uh, we find that it's a great exercise. So a starter, a golf shop attendant, um, you know, a bartender, for example, if they're, they're reading those minutes and they're reviewing the, so they're aware, hey, next week is aeration happening on this course, as an mm-hmm. example. 
or they might know, hey, we're shutting down the kitchen early on Sunday because there's a cleaning thing going on. So a golf pro is aware of why the kitchen shut down early on Sunday. So that cross communication between departments um, improves, has yep. improved. Um, and I think the general camaraderie in the teamsmanship improves as well. So we take these opportunities as a team building exercise too. You know, we'll have our, let's call it Christmas breakfast or you know, spring break lunches and stuff like that. So it's not just always about business, business, business. It's it, it's a great team building uh, time where we see each other and also be aware of what's happening in people's personal life. Somebody's birthday, somebody's aware on vacation, somebody's family is sick. So yep. from a relationship standpoint, I think it really helps us or has helped us. Uh, part one. Part two, beyond this weekly scheduled meeting, um, I also have a one-on-one -on -one with our department heads on a on a almost weekly or daily basis, depending on what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, I think visibility is something which is very, very crucial and important in our business. Um, and engagement with members as as much as staff is is equally important for a senior leader. So, you know, walking by management and being visible and touching base with, hey, how's the service going in the dining room? Uh, how did the morning opening? go on the golf course you know how are we setting up for the ladies shotgun at one o'clock with the golf shop so it, it just those kind of interactions on a daily basis uh, really reassures the team that we're all together uh, number one yep. and they can bounce off anything if they are running into any issues or troubles that we're there to problem solve and and to provide support and, and, a, and a shoulder uh, and not the, the the key thing as we all know is not to you know interfere in their uh, specialty or, or their side of business the key for us is to provide support when you're when you're dealing one-on-one -on -one with your with your department heads um like for example someone comes in and has an idea do you do, how do you accept the idea how do you tell them it's not going to let's take it this way if it's not going to work how do you tell them that because i find that it's so tough to uh crush somebody's idea even though you know as a as a long time uh, manager it's probably not going to work how do you how do you crack that well the key thing is that you don't want to kill their enthusiasm correct one Yep. You also don't want to do anything which stops them for to come the next time because the ideas will keep coming. Correct. But the key is for us to teach them and coach them and guide them that before you come to a senior executive, a president, a committee, a board of directors, a GM, a CEO, um, you need to have a little bit of flushing it out exercise yourself. Okay. And, and part of that is mentoring. Part of that is coaching and grooming that, hey, we can all be armchair managers. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we can be all armchair experts in F&B or agronomy or, or tennis programming or aquatics programming. But let's 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 go through the exercise of walking through with this concept from you have an idea, you have a concept, you have a bubble. Let's just flush this out first a little bit. And, and pretty soon we realize or that person realizes, yeah, I, I thought I had something, but I can see how or why we need a little bit more time, energy, or yeah, that is really dumb. 
Beyond the Baselines is the leading executive search firm for private members clubs and boutique resorts. From the kitchens to the courts, the practice tees to the waterfront, Beyond the Baselines is your partner to find the best in-class employees for your club, facility, or resort. Whether you are a member-owned club or a corporate hotel entity, we are the specialists for you in elite hospitality. It's not just the members that should feel loyalty to their club. It's the sense of loyalty combined with the pride of offering superior service and hospitality in every worker that makes a good club that much better. So find that right candidate with us today. Call us today at 508-538-1288. That's 508-538-1288 or visit us on the web at beyondthebaselines.com. The key is you want to have an environment where the team members feel comfortable coming with ideas. There's an openness to it. Right. Um, and, and that breeds innovation. Um, that breeds an ecosystem where the top executive is not the only person thinking of how to run the club. It, it's it's a community effort. It is a community place. Yep. Um, and you become more of a quarterback and a coach. No, no Monday morning, no Monday morning quarterbacking. You just got to be positive, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is important. I think you know department heads are are as a general manager, they're your fingertips to the membership yes. because yes, they see many more members than you're going to see in a 100%. day. 100%. And uh, except maybe for the director of agronomy, who's out and on the tractor. Um, yeah. or the golf cart, but, um, but the director of golf, you know, the, the caddy masters, um, the food and beverage director, which is a massive job in, in a club like yours with that many members. Absolutely. Uh, well, yeah. They see so many and, and really your first complaint is going to come from them. You know, the, yes. the member is going to complain to them and then they're going to come to you with that complaint. So I, I, I applaud you for having weekly meetings. I think that's really important. Um, and so many members, uh, managers at member owned clubs don't do that. You know, and 100%. And we shift our schedules. You know, when we go in the off season, it's bi weekly, mm -hmm. right? So we're sensitive that we're not wasting time. Um, challenges we end up talking too much. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a big old retreat right there in your office, isn't it? I'd like to welcome our first sponsor here at BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast, and that's Play by Court, PlayByCourt.com. Choosing the right technology partner is not an easy task. However, staying with the same outdated provider can be a costly decision. And with today's fast-changing environment, well, you need a partner that will help you adapt to the ever-growing needs of your members. At Play by Court, well, they provide the best technology solution customized for your club. With their app, your members can easily manage their profile. They can book courts, programs, lessons. They can pay. I asked Andre, show me the payment solutions. It's fantastic. And your members can communicate directly with members and you, the staff. So please go have a look at playbycourt.com and see what really matters most to your members. Your club, your rules, your software. Playbycourt.com. Glencoe is a big club, 1,100 yes. uh, members. Uh, you know, you've got the you've got the city club people coming up too. Is it a separate board? Is the board at your club separate from the board at the city club? And and how do they do the nominating? Because it's such a big club. How do they do a, a, a nomination uh, round? Yeah. So the way we're structured is is we have a Glencoe board, and then it's 11 people. Um, and then there's a golf board within that 11 people. Um, so it's a very uh, different structure to what 
many clubs are used to. Um, and we do have a nominating committee, but it's it's not like they they only their role is mostly administrative in nature, where they're making sure that and and through the auditors and through the admin team, making sure that people coming forward are in fact active and in good standing, and so it becomes a more of an administrative role, uh, oversight role, rather than what. We're seeing in some clubs now come up where the nominating committee really is soliciting uh, members and identifying gaps on the board, uh, whether it's a legal expertise, whether it's mm-hmm. a financial expertise, and then they go solicit members at, from members at large who they feel that could be good representatives uh, for them in the future. That's not where we are today. Um, okay. It's still an open election. Um, any active shareholder in good standing can apply to be on the board. Um, and then there's a full election process, and that's how they get to be on the board. So you call it, I mean, you have a board of directors or a board of governors up top. I think you said 11. Mm-hmm. And then you have 11 on the golf board. So it's not like a green no, committee. Sorry. It's a board. No, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, if I was not clear. Out of those 11, mm-hmm. they also, re- there is a golf board with uh, within that main board. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Oh, so it's, so, so it, that is kind of different. It is very different, yeah. Um, but I think it's important that you bring up a, a point there that nominating committees more and more, and I think you're trying to get there, have to look at the board's makeup and composition in terms of qualities, diversification, and, and really uh, a talent because you, you need the legal talent. You need the liability talent. I have someone that does crisis PR on a board down here. And boy, when we get a crisis, he's a fantastic writer of that crisis PR uh, written word. Um, yeah. So I, I think nominating committees really should be looking at that, as you say, and, and, and we could get there as, a, as, a, as an industry. I think there will be a generational shift by the time we get there. Um, and part of it is obviously is how are your bylaws written? How are your policies written? Um, and a general shift. And the big challenge with that concept uh, is that the member perception that the board gets to handpick their replacement. Right. Um, and if there's no trust uh, from the membership or there's lack of trust, um, it's pretty hard for the member to endorse a, a candidate who could be very qualified whose name has been put forward by a group of individuals. So it takes, I think we all want to get to the end result, but from a process standpoint, a lot of trust, transparency um, has to be built into the system for that to be successful. And I know big firms, you know, AKNW or GGA, these big firms are promoting that right? Um, from a corporate governance standpoint, but the challenge in our business is that there's an inherent conflict uh, between our boards and the membership and the non-for-profit institutions they're responsible for. So it's fine for, for a poor profit, let's call a Coca-Cola board, to solicit somebody to sit on the Coca-Cola board. But at a club board, which is owner-operated, member-run, way different. Correct. And, and, you know, it is, you bring me on to the next point, which is the KKWs and the, the, the big search firms and, and they are moving towards, you know, there's other club advisors towards club governance. Um, I've started a little website on the side called the Institute of Club Directors, which again is, is looking at that kind of the side of the business, because a lot of times I'll find a, a, a board member has never served on a board in a business, you know, that, They've, they've, they, they're an employee and they go to work and they've never served on a board. So they don't understand, you know, a lot of things that boards have to look at. 
in terms of the big firms, do you use search firms when you, if they say you're going to have to go find a food and beverage director or a chef, uh, do you do that in-house or, or how, what's your yeah. thinking on that? So we've done both ways. Um, we have, so we are fortunate to have a full-time HR team. Oh, that's nice. And, and, and I, we, we recognize that a lot of clubs um, don't have that luxury. A controller, a GM ends up taking on that role. Uh, but we are fortunate to have an HR team which helps us, uh, whether to develop postings, to screenings, to, you know, the admin side of it. Um, mm -hmm. And then also to make sure that um, we are within the confines of what we're supposed to do in an interview or not supposed to do. So we don't break any rules. So we have a great resource available to us. So that's mm -hmm. part one. Um, part two to your question. You know, we have used uh, GTA. Uh, we are using Fresh Golf. Um, so there are firms out there now, um, and they provide a, a great skill set. I think they provide an expertise, which is, you know, a third party and unbiased. And, you know, they obviously, their methodology or the way they do those things is, is very high level. So I think they bring a very good expertise to the clubs. Um, but, to me personally, I think that those are well suited for for senior executive positions. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a there's a big big battle going on down down here. Um, but um, it, it seems that the big firms, in some ways, are doing great work with the with the governance and 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 the and the GMs. But at the same time, I know on the tennis and the golf side, sometimes that we worry that they're they're dominating almost too much, you know, and that every time a, a candidate goes to apply for a job, he has to go through hula hoops with that search firm, and it may deter some of the better candidates. We worry about that. I, have you seen anything like that up in Canada? I, you know, I call it a process. You know, if you're directly hiring, you might have two interviews, and, and but if you go to a GGA or, or a KKW firm, you might have to go through a whole screening test and written yep. or Zoom and this and that. So I think part of it is that that shows confidence in that exercise and that process. So I, I don't think it's it's anyway bad in any way. It's it just goes that they want to foolproof and make sure that whatever the expectation are from the search committee or the culture of the club they're giving the best options to the board and the search committee to to pick from. So look, if if somebody if a candidate is genuinely interested in a club and they feel it's a good marriage, then I think the candidate will be invested uh, mm -hmm. in that process or whether it's nine step process or a four step process, I think that they understand that that they have to go through these these steps. I've been thinking about last year, and, and, and I don't know if a lot of clubs will admit it, but last year was kind of flat. Many of the clubs I've been visiting and seeing wasn't down, but it was kind of flat. And I think it was because travel opened up again post-COVID. Um, people were on the move. Kids interest were, rates are high. In, in, interest rates are high. I, I don't know the Canadian economy as strongly as I should. I'm sorry. Um, but I'm sure it's, it's, it's similar to ours down similar. here. And, and, and things are expensive. Inflation's high. And... Um, and so I think some of the uh, pullback was, as you so rightly said, is economy-based. How in 2024 are you going to innovate? And I've been writing about this. Like, how is a club going to innovate to bring the members back? You know, kids went off to uh, went off to camps again. You know, we had sleepover camps. And so they di disappeared from the weekend country club. How are we going to get that business back up? Even just 
small in a small figure it doesn't have to be more than five percent but we want the we want the members back any ideas that you have that you could share with us yeah i think part of it is first let's assess where we are right now i mean if you look at our membership levels we have a you know a, a wait list which will sustain us three four five years it continues to get built up that's great. Um, so that's part one part two if you look at the usage by the members your fnb was up 30 percent our golf shop is up close to that so the members use of the facility is up our rounds of golf was up uh, again year over year in 2023 that's great in 2023 so in our personal our club um, mm -hmm. we are seeing that high usage post-covid which started okay. in covid so that is sustaining itself that's great you know now we do recognize that this is you know we said it's not the new normal but Two years after COVID, it isn't normal today. Now, can we forecast it? Who knows what 2026 will bring? But the key, you know, your question is, how do you continue to bring members back uh, to the club uh, and make not just bringing current members back? How do you make sure that you have a product which members are willing to wait for and pay a lot of money for? So it's part, part of it is is your your operational excellence. You know, mm -hmm. start with the basics, your food continue, you know, F&B, your services, your golf courses, your amenities, your programming still has to be top notch. So that's the operational excellence, uh, the word I will use. Um, and second is continuous improvement on your capital. Uh, you know, we continue to put money into the property, uh, whether it's renovating our teaching building, you know, renovating our clubhouses or renovating our golf courses. So I think that continuous improvement um in combination with operational excellence uh, really is the recipe uh, for long-term success um, in my professional opinion. Yeah. I think that's a really well said answer because it, it, we just have to get better at doing what we do best, which is hospitality. And, uh, and there's, there's no way to innovate. Just we have to get better and better at it. And, right. and through technology and through member communication and staff communication, we'll, we'll keep trying. You said clubhouses. How many clubhouses do you have up there? So, you know, we have a, a very big clubhouse uh, here at the golf. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a teaching building. Um, okay. You know, we obviously at the downtown club. It's a big, big clubhouse there. Uh, so, yeah. So several buildings. And, and how many staff do you have? Just to give our podcast listeners an idea. How many staff do you have under you up there at the, at the country club? So this year uh, we were over 300 uh, staff in peak summertime. That's a big operation, and and uh, housing. Forty five holes, right? Forty five uh, golf holes. Yes. Okay, and uh, and housing. Do you have on on property Unfortunately, housing? Fortunately, we don't have on uh, on court on on property housing for our staff. So they have to come from the local area. Yes. Or and 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 you don't rent houses or anything like that and put people up. No. Well, you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, and where we're located, I mean, it's obviously the city's moving closer. Yeah. Right, the city's expanding, so we are we're getting closer. Our big challenge is there's no public transport, um, and it's hard in the seasonal business. Right, there's a massive recruitment in in March, April, and then the massive layoff in October. Um, yeah. and, and a trend, I'm not sure if you're seeing in the U.S. or not, is you know our students are leaving earlier. You know, we yes. we, we were used to students working till the the Labor Day weekend and that even Sunday before they go back to college. Now they want, they want to enjoy a little bit of summer themselves, which is, which is fine. Um, and they leave in August. Yes. So it, that duration of the summer intern or the summer student is, is shorter than what it used to be. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously on the on the golf side too. I'm I'm sure it's with golf pros, but you have the kids that are on the golf team still playing until May, and we're already into you know we're already swinging golf clubs and marrying masks uh, in in early May. So it is hard to staff at that time, and 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 then it it affects your ability to service the members 100 percent when you don't have a full staff. And beyond that, I think the key challenge for us then becomes is consistency in service. Yes. Yeah. Because it goes, it, it starts slow, and then it gets great in the middle of the summer, and then it starts slow again. Correct. <laughs> that 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 consistency, you know, and we, I think members understand that, but mm-hmm. it's really hard year over year to just you know you train people, you train people, they get trained, they understand the culture, they understand the expectations, and they leave, and then you have somebody else coming, and so that that cycle is cumbersome on the department heads, um, and particularly on the food side. What did you learn? Because there are so many people that listen to this podcast, you know, thinking about getting into the industry, growing in this industry, getting to where you are as a club manager at a great club. What did you learn most at Wacabuck and bring with you to your jobs after? Well, short answer, everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, right? I was very fortunate uh, early on after my hospitality degree from Scotland, I got the opportunity to work um, at Wacabuck. Uh, which, for those of you who don't know, is a is a great family multi-sport club in upstate New York. The club itself, the facilities, the grounds is is beautiful. It's mm-hmm. a countryside. But more importantly, the membership culture um, is one of community, uh, friendship, family. And to cherry that on is you have very, very good manager, uh, mentor, leader, um, somebody who is an icon in the business, um and has done it for over three decades uh john asuma so i was very fortunate to be able to learn from him mm-hmm. um he is has a great influence on my career uh, my my outlook on this business um so i was very very fortunate to not only have a great leader but also have a great club uh to learn from and and, and i think to your question what did you learn i think first is uh relationships uh, that club is is an epitome of relationships um, and the values of respect, uh, the value of care, uh, the value of integrity. Um, and I think all these things are your personal values as well. And then when they marry with an organizational value, it's a great marriage. And, and I would suggest that, that that is unbelievable. And, you know, even back then when I was there, early 2000s, um, that club was still innovating. You know, we had great leaders and long-term head professionals and long-term kitchen team, long-term tennis professionals. So, again, I was very fortunate to be there, um, learning from the best, uh, observing the best. Uh, I, I cannot pay a, put any price on that. Well said. It's a great spot. It's it's one of, I, you know, as I travel around and visit a lot of clubs, it's still one of the best. It is really, um, and I think you mentioned it really well there. It, there's a great relationship between the members and the staff. And yes. um, I can't explain it other than to say that it, it's, it's really one big family. Yes. Um, and, and, yeah. and again, it has two, you know, you have a lakefront and you have a golf, a wonderful golf course and, uh, and a tennis and paddle facility. Um, but it's a big operation with, and, and again, it's housing of the employees that 
you know, always with the H-1Bs, I, I know, I remember some of the department heads pulling their hair out saying, I can't get that visa, or I can't get that person from Scotland or wherever they may be coming from. And that would affect the department. They took it personally. And uh, yeah. and the members would miss that person if they couldn't get them back. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't like out of sight, out of mind. The members would remain uh, loyal to that member of staff. Absolutely. And I think part of it, it talk about Wakabuck, it's not, you know, oftentimes you'll find that you have one figurehead who has that relationship with the membership, right? Whether it's the golf pro or the GM or mm-hmm. chef. But the unique thing about that club is that every layer of staff has deep relationships and the, and the treatment from the membership is equally respectful, uh, caring to each layer. So it doesn't really matter if you are a busboy or a bartender or a golf pro or a caddy master, that relationship runs deep into every layer of, of staff. So what does 2024 hold for you personally? I know you have a, two, two kids, uh, I think 13 and 7. And, yes. uh, and and do they do they get to come up and visit you at the club? Do they come? Yeah, well, yeah, we 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 try to get as much as, as possible. But, you know, I think there's there's a matter of spacing as well. <laughs> I think as club professionals, we spend enough time at the club that when you're not <laughs> required to be there, you're like Let's go somewhere else. Right. No disrespect, but yep. space is important. But no, I think personally and, uh, you, you know, personally on the home front, you just want to spend as much time as possible with these kids. Uh, and your spouse um, and yourself. I think taking care of yourself is is as equally important as we are responsible for taking care of all others around us. So that's part one. And then professionally, just continue to you know improve the member experience, improve the club assets. Uh, you know the goals really don't change. Um, the atmosphere around that changes, and the people change. I think you're really it's significant. You said you have to keep, take care of yourself. You know, there's a song out there. You know, my father, my father, and you know my family, uh, and he's musical. We're all musical, but it's I want you to be happy, and yes. uh, you have to be happy to make others happy. And, right. and I think sometimes we forget that in this business. You know, if we, if we go to work unhappy, we might as well stay home. Yeah, um, and be authentic. You, you yeah. know, I think we all are. We all have our own quirks, good, yeah. good and bad. Yeah. Uh, but I think being authentic and genuine is really crucial if you are to be able to relate. Um, and people read into it. I think we we live in a fishbowl um, in, in club business. Um, you can't fake it in this business. I mean, your values, your your personality, your way of thinking, your way of treating people, you know, over time, it's transparent. It's it's you have to be. So that's why you have to be authentic or genuine to be able to sustain. And I think, you know, you talk about John, you know, John is authentic. Uh, very john is is uh is a is authentic he is genuine and and what you see is what you get and if for year over year person over person like it that it doesn't really matter hey last question for you as we head into 2024 we're in january um and just to give podcast listeners an idea what is on your calendar that you have to complete this week because spring is not far you know, the golf course is going to be, I know you're getting into the minus 20s soon, but yeah. the sun's going to roll around. The shortest day of the year has already happened. What is this week? What do you have to do this week to get something done for whatever it be, March, April, or May? Yeah, so part of our our recruitment is a big piece uh, in these coming 60 days or so. So we are doing some open house 
for recruitment for all departments. Um, then we're going to be working with our HR team to go through certain colleges and, and universities and schools locally to to get our staffing organized. Uh, that's a big, big piece. We need, and this profession is a lot more hands. We can do the jobs we do without people. It's mm-hmm. not like I can buy more computers and vehicles to do this job. So I think from an HR piece is, is a massive piece of the next 60 days for us. And second is I think just making sure that all our capital plans are in place. So we really have a very short window for any capital improvements or capital maintenance items. So that also has, the box has to get checked. So when the members come to the course, it's pristine, it's done. They don't, they won't even know what happened in the, when they were gone is, is what we want to project. So it's just touching base with that. And then, and then finally, just touching base with the team, making sure everybody had a great break. They're on a good headspace. They're equally charged up. Uh, and see if they need anything. So those are the kind of three or four things which I will say, Ed, are, are, are on my mind right now as we, we go very early into 2024. It, thank you so much for that because uh, you made me uh, realize that I've got to get my recruiting done by Feb 1. Yes. Ash, it's been absolutely fabulous to see you back uh, here thank on you. the podcast. Really nice to reconnect and, uh, and please stay in touch. I'll stay in touch with you. And if I'm up in Canada, I'll give you a bell. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for giving the opportunity to talk to you after a long time. Um, And yeah, if you're ever in Canada or or Calgary particularly, we'd love to see you in person and have a beer. Thanks so much. Thanks. Have a lovely weekend. You too. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast. It's a pleasure bringing you each week's news and views and great guests from our tennis, fitness, and country club industries. You can always reach the team here at BeyondTheBaselines at gmail.com or on the phone at 508-538-1288. Please do visit our website at www.BeyondTheBaselines.com, which is updated regularly with even more information for you, your club, or your facility. See you again soon.